0: Hi, this is the Organisational Success Academy from the Oxford Review, bringing you the very latest research in leadership, management, organisational development, design, transformation and change, human resources and human capital, organisational learning, coaching and work psychology from around the world to make you the most up-to-date and knowledgeable person in the room. Welcome back. Today I've got Keith Hackett with me. Keith's one of our members, he's also a consultant, and he does a number of other things as well. Welcome, Keith. Thank you, David. Thanks for asking me along. No, it's a pleasure. Can you just give us a bit of a flavor of who you are, kind of what you do, and add a bit of context to the conversation that we're going to have around um, the goalpost model? Yeah. Well, I suppose, in essence, I am a serial,
1: uh, not serial killer, but a serial consultant. In as much that I do um, have done for the last twenty odd years, interim consulting of one description or other, but mainly organisational development, organisational change, project management, and programme management, predominantly within healthcare for both public and private sector, and I've done some of that. Most of it's been in the UK, and some of it's been done in the Middle East, and. As part and parcel of my own, I suppose, personal development, my own professional development. Some years ago, I was trained as a coach in the GROW model at the London School of Coaching associated with the University of Strathclyde. So it was verified and certified by Strathclyde. And I've used coaching as part of my project program and management consultant practice ever since. And that's really what led me to tour, to be frank with you, in terms of that combination of competence and knowledge and experience. And that's how I got got to meet you. So, here we are.
0: Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, the goalpost model. Can you just give us an overview and kind of explain? I, be Great. Yeah. As I'm sure any coaches who is
1: looking at this will say, oh, that looks very familiar to me. And it's very familiar because it is based predominantly upon growth. So... Some years ago, I was asked by a London hospital to do a turnaround on a very delayed project. And I suggested that coaching would be a good idea to try and understand some of the blockers, hopefully identify some of the enablers, and bring people together because they were just, you know, operating in silos and hated each other. However, the clinical lead for that particular piece of work basically said, coaching is just black box BS and you can be off. To which my response to him was, that's lovely. However, I am the fourth project manager in six months that you've managed to chew up and about to spit out. And if we don't deliver on this, the problem's going to hang on your shoulders and not mine. I suggest we look at this and perhaps use coaching as a way of better understanding why some of the things aren't happening in the team and across the team. And hopefully, you know, start to make some, get some traction, get something moving. And his response was, well, I still think it's BS, BS, BS. Demonstrates to me that you can measure it and that we have tick box and we can audit stuff. And then I might consider it and go away, come back tomorrow. And if you still can't do it, I'm going to chew up and spit you out too. I left and pondered. And basically I took grow put it through a sorus, as it were, to see what different words came up, sort of took it apart. In terms of growth, in terms of goal, reality, options, and sort of wrap up or wind up or whatever it might be. Will, yes. Okay. Yeah. What will you do? Will, yeah. yes, what you do, etc., etc. And different words came out of that. And then some of those words resonated with me in terms of other things that I was doing, for example, in terms of prints to project management processing and also solutions focus, which I'd recently been trained in from the industrial society, and just starts to play with it and put things together. And goalposts came out of that. That sort of playing around with words to see and to see whether or not some kind of process that came out of that could demonstrate a way of saying we can use coaching but also use some measurement, along the uh, some solid measurement along the way. And so goalpost came out. And so just to say what, so what goalpost is, rather what goalpost was, was it has changed in the last few years. So goal is obvious. P stands for position in terms of where you are now. O in terms of your options. The first S at the bottom of the curve was originally strategy. And then it was tasks. And in the middle, where the middle S was, that was a survey in the middle. So goal, position where you are, options, what you have. Out of those options, a strategy might be formed. Out of that strategy, you can drill down and create tasks. But survey is the bit in the middle where you stand back and say, okay, let's just take a breath. Let's take a breather. Are we doing what we're supposed to be doing? And I took that back to this particular professor, the clinical professor, and said to him, hey, look, we can use this as a coaching framework. Oh, and by the way, we can measure the tasks, and we can also measure the survey. Oh, and the strategy, we can actually, we can phrase that in such a way to say, this is our start point, this is the end point, point. Have we delivered. Oh, and by the way, goalposts. I'm in the NHS, as you know, Professor, the goalposts are always changing, at which point I thought he was going to tell me to bugger off, and he didn't. He just said, I hm. need It really annoys me. They change all the time, Keith. And that's all I knew I had it. And it started from there. So that was 20 odd years ago. Come forward a number of years. And through ups and downs of personal life, etc., etc., I'm one of those people who now is able to hold their hand up with pride and say, I'm a person with lived experience of mental health. And a few years ago, you couldn't do that because of COVID and whatnot. It's now, it now seems to be reasonably... It's great, actually. They can do that, frankly. But... Would it continue?
0: Or is this too much detail to begin with? No, no, continue. Yeah, because it's part of the story and it's important. And you're it using one it in one. that context. You're using yeah. it in a mental health context within health organizations, so...
1: Yeah, it is because what happened to me personally was that I found a particularly dark, I was diagnosed with depression years ago, I mean, 2008 or whatever it was. I've always been one of those sort of dark, insular kids who sort of did his own thing and you know, was a bit of an introvert and always oh, Keith all right. Yes, he's fine, blah, 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 all over the years and what on Christmas, what else? And God didn't mean to blaspheme. So then. But a few years ago, I found myself in a very bad place to the point where I wasn't sectioned, but I was receiving psychiatric care on a weekly outpatient basis. And I would built a very good relationship with a particular psychiatrist. But then one day, one week when I turned up to a session I was expecting this person to be there, she wasn't. And instead, there were two people there, both of them turned out to be her senior managers. And one of them said, well, we'll use the word Jay. I won't say what her name was, but Jay has been doing quite well with you, Keith. But from our perspective, your recovery journey, your recovery isn't on the trajectory that we would expect you to be on at this point in time. And as a consequence of that, we've now stepped in to help you recover, accelerate your recovery. To which my response was, well, that's lovely, but my relationship is with Jay, not with you. I trust her. I have no idea who you are. And essentially, you're telling me that the progress I've made for myself, which I thought is pretty good, actually is pretty bad, because it's not on the trajectory that you're expecting me to be on. I'm truth? We didn't mean that. That's what it sounds like. So we sort of got into an argument. I told them exactly what I thought of them and walked out. At which point in time, I so, thought, okay, what do I do? A little voice in my head said, just get on with it, Keith. So I did. And it was a sort of a one step at a time, one small goal at a time, as it were. So Jerusalem gave me that sort of that confidence to start to think for myself, as it were. But then I really did start to think for myself rather than being necessarily assisted by professionals. And I put professionals in inverted commas. And over a period of time, I found myself getting back to some level of normality. And it wasn't until I spoke to another s- psychologist friend of mine, in fact, and I was telling him about what had happened and what I'd gone through and the rest of it. He went, oh God, yeah, he'd have been there four times. I went, sorry? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so. He said, no, psychiatrists and psychologists, were the worst type for this. We're kind of up to our necks and beyond in it personally, let alone trying to help others. I'm going, okay, fair enough. Anyway, that's a side. But he said to me, you ought to write down what's happened, because it'll help you better understand where, you've, where you were, your journey, where you've come from, and try to give yourself some kind of framework in terms of how you've managed to do what you've done for yourself. And you can then use that going forward. You can always revert back then and say, oh yeah, that's what, that's happened. It's similar to this. And you can just build upon that as you go forward. So I thought, Peter, that's a great idea. That's a brilliant idea. I'll do that. And so I started writing down what it is that I'd done and how I'd done it. And it wasn't until I started doing that I realized that I'd used my own goalpost model on myself. And so it's a case of, you no, know, what was the goal, you know, where I am, what are my options today? I mean, the option could be as simple as, do I stay in bed or do I get out of bed? Hmm. As simple and as basic as that, you know, do I wash myself today or do I wait for a week? I'm not going to see anyone, does it really matter? That kind of sort of development. But over a period of time, it was yes, I'm going to get up every day. I am going to shower every day because it's horrible, either way, you know, just for my own personal well being. And that's what happened. So I then went back to Peter and said, This is what I've done. I said, And I've used this. What do you think? And he went, Write it down properly, Keith. Send it to me and I'll have a proper read. So I did. I just wrote down a couple of sides of A4. Sent it to him and he came back to me and said this is great can you expand it a bit and i'm going to share it around the place if that's okay with you i won't say it's you personally but i'll just you know just share what you've done using what you've done using goalposts as it were as it was then so remember it's strategy and serve and it's important to just notice those two s's i want to emphasize those two s's right now because those two have changed And he did. He shared what I'd done around his network, as it were. And then I was contacted out of the blue by the Mental Health Recovery College at Lancashire and South Cumbria NHS Trust, which is based in Preston. Ironically, ironically, that was the site unit I used to go to for outpatients. There's a sweet irony there, isn't there? Anyway, it doesn't matter. So I was contacted by the service lead for the recovery college based within the trust, and she said, a good friend of mine, Peter, has sent me this. I contacted him, and he very reluctantly gave me your name, but you know, he's done that because he thinks that it's the right thing to do. And I'd like to talk to you further about this, because your model really does reflect very well against the whole philosophy of the recovery journey and Chime, etc., etc., etc." I went, well, what's one of those? Oh, hmm you go away and research it, Keith? Write something up and send it to me and we'll have a conversation. I said, okay, a couple of weeks. Yeah, asked for right. Two months later, because it took me that long to try and figure out what I was doing and what all this meant and the of it, I'd written a paper and I sent it to Susie. And she came back and said, yeah, we need to do something together. Now, that was two years ago. Well, two and a half years ago now. And at the end of May this year, I will be delivering a course for the college based upon this model. In the intervening period, we've done some work together, et cetera, et cetera, and the two S's have changed. Now,
0: I'll stop there because I think you might want to jump in at that point. Yeah, firstly, I just want to say thank you for sharing your own personal story. It's very powerful. And I suppose I because, you know, you, obviously you it helped you to develop the model. I suppose uh, there's another, this kind of an underlying question that I've got that's associated with the model, but not quite. Over that period, looking at it now, and Mm -hmm. just thinking about the context of coaching and and what we're talking about with the model, what did you actually, what was the learning that you took from that period for yourself?
1: I found that the early conversations, before I found myself, in the place where I was receiving weekly intervention on a three, four-month sort of program of activity known as in terms of psychiatric help. Up until then, I had been wavering left, right, and center, gone to see the GP. The GP then referred me into mental health services, and the first person I met, another psychiatrist, essentially said to me, this is waiting three months to see this person, by the way. Okay, Keith, we've got 15 minutes. Tell me what's wrong. I saw this, 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 and this. Right. Um, do you saw the point of suicidal? Well, actually, yeah, I do. Oh, dear. That's, very, that's a shame. That's a shame. Um, why do you feel that way? Uh, I don't know. I'm hoping you can help me figure that one out. Yeah, I've got 15 minutes, Keith. Here are some leaflets. Why don't you go away and have a good read of these? And there are different signposting points within these leaflets that hopefully, well, not hopefully, I feel pretty certain, you'll pick up on one. One will resonate with you, Keith, and you can pursue that further. Is that all you're going to give? I've got 15 minutes, Keith. Okay. So, the context of what I'm trying to say here is that while I was floundering at that point very badly, I needed something that was, for me anyway, I know it's different for others, but for me, I needed something just because of who I am, my personality, what I've done, blah, 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 blah some kind of framework, some kind of reasonable process of if you want to do this for yourself, Keith, if you feel able enough to do this for yourself or to help yourself in some way, here are some processes, models, whatever it might be that might work for you. Let's spend a few minutes looking at one or more of these. If something resonates, I'll help you into that. And let's try and and initially do this for yourself. That's what I wanted. That's what I didn't get in any way, shape, or form. Essentially was, here's leaflets, signpost for yourself. If you're really bad, come back and we'll look at CBT. I've tried CBT in the past. It doesn't work for me. Or, there's a whole bunch of antidepressants. I can give you these. Which one do you want, Keith? I know I'm sort of being OTT in that, but that's essentially it. It's leaflets, CBT, drugs or if you're really bad, we're gonna section you. So I know I'm oversimplifying that, I do apologize, but that's essentially how it felt. And I suppose now, four or five years later, reflecting on that, what I needed was something I could hang my hat on for myself in those very early stages to say, okay, let's try and do this for myself. Let's try and understand where I am for myself and work through this. And Goalposts gave me, unconsciously, because I didn't know it at the time, gave me that framework, that process, model, whatever word you want to use, to give me a chance to do it for myself. So the course I'm running with the Mental Health Recovery College, and this has taken two years of iteration and conversations, and me going backwards and forwards in terms of training and ideas and whatnot. I mean, the first training session that I put forward to the college, which was roughly this time last year, would have taken someone three weeks to go through. Okay, yeah, three weeks. The session I'm doing with them in a month's time is two and a half hours. Yeah. And it's had to go through that. So I've done a whole bunch of co-production with students and members of staff at the college to get to this point of saying, actually, what I'm, all I'm doing for you it's providing you with a tool that can potentially, not and there's no guarantee, potentially provide you with a self-help process of understanding where you are, some of your options, what you might want to do, how you might want to get there, and bring in your own story to hold that together. And it's as simple and straightforward as
0: that. And that's what I needed five years ago. Mm. So if I'm getting this right, what you're saying here, what you took out of that process, which I think is amazing because these processes that you've gone through is to put it lightly, is you know, is not an easy process to go through. And but what you took out of that is a realization that you needed a structure and a process to move me from this place to a desired kind of place, an importantly that you were in control of that, you were the author of that because it was your story. Have I got that right? Exactly that. What it did for me, if you wish, was
1: to help me realize that each step that I made was good enough for me to build upon. But, and that gave me confidence in doing something else well, and it's built upon that so four and a half years ago I was essentially suicidal I've just been offered a contract I won't say where it's on a 300 million pound central government program to deliver a wicked problem or try to solve a wicked problem over the next five years yeah. So I've gone from, hey, I want to kill myself, to being a functioning, reasonably confident, quite resilient, far happier, frankly, far more communicable human being. I'm not saying that goalposts is a great magic wand. All I'm saying is it's helped me to go from that point there, where I had absolutely no vision of what my future might be, to build upon Both successes and failures, but those failures weren't, um... Not failures, they were things that didn't quite go the way I wanted them to go. But hey, it's okay. Ten years ago, David, it would have been... you are so... Oh, what a... What a failure you are. Your own dialogue? My own dialogue, my own internal dialogue, my own dialogue to a mirror, essentially. So this has helped to change your dialogue. It has. It's helped to change my dialogue because it helped to change my story. It's helped me to change my story because I realized that my story is worthwhile to me. Yeah. And I can use that story both the lived experience story, everyone talks about lived experience, but lived experience is important. That lived experience story One's that imagined story of what the next day, next week, next month, next year might be. And use that storytelling, that internal storytelling, to create potential futures. And then it's for me to decide which one of those futures I want to head for how much effort do I want to put into that one over there or this one over here? And how much effort can I do that? How much confidence do I have in myself to do this one now or that one over there? And that's how the
0: model has evolved. That's so powerful because what I was taking from what you've just said there is that it put you in control. It gave you the structure and the process but it helped you to change your story and your dialogue. But what was, I think, really important in that is it's not being driven by anybody else, and therefore it's sympathetic to where you were at any moment in time and worked with that to actually move around the process and create your own narrative, I suppose. Yes, and but I think what you need to bear in mind is that for
1: me this has been a very... This is me this has been an unconscious process, but at the same time there is a level of awareness now that I didn't have
0: previously. Mm. Yeah. And you wouldn't have had in those days. Yeah. No, exactly.
1: So if you wish, I needed to hit that
0: absolute black wall, as it were, that
1: rock bottom. If anything, for the awareness to be to kick start, as it were. Because without me understanding where I was, what I was doing where I was going to go to next, and have that sort of awareness in my head, as it were. It's typically that there needs to be a level of consciousness associated with it, because you need to make this conscious choice of those decisions, those create those stories. I think what's important to say is that as a consequence of working with the college, the two S's have changed. Because if you remember, it was yes. goal, position, options, yes. strategy, tasks, survey,
0: just before you get into that, so mm-hmm. I just want to just make a comment really about your experience about that, as you've described it. The black wall is quite common. It's known as a catabasis. It's kind of that point at which people get to the lowest point and then they start to build up again mm-hmm. from that point. But it's not a. It's not like a straight trajectory. Well, oh, that's no, not it's really well known. No. Um, but it's. Pretty common kind of experience that I've there's nothing left, and then that building. Now, I do think that what you're saying is really important here is that it's actually be- kind of rebuilding a narrative and rebuilding a story about ourselves. And it was very powerful the way you've described this because your journey through this process was a kind of an iterative process that as your confidence was growing and developing, and I'm sure, and you haven't said this, but I'm sure there will have been bumps in the road and it'll have gone up and then down again. Yeah. But it enabled the narrative to move with that. Yes, it has. And I'll give you a prime example of
1: that bump in the road as of now in terms of 2023. Mm. I recently, I was on a long-term contract with a local authority from mid 20. 21 until the end of 2022. So I was doing stuff around COVID, trace vaccination, all that kind of stuff. And my contract was due to end March, 2023, but because of local authority cuts and what all the rest of it, different programs within the cost councils saying, okay, that was money heavy, we'll cancel that and we'll distribute this money elsewhere. And that's essentially what happened on the program that I was on. So that was a bit of a pain, really. I mean, just for Christmas, you're told at the end of November, oh, Keith, at the end of December, your contract's ending. Okay, so you go out to the marketplace and try and look for work and try and get stuff. And of course, nothing's happening before Christmas. Everyone's winding down. So I thought, okay, let's just forget it. And that was a revelation for me, because if that had happened previously, I would have been... Mr. Stressed. I mean, totally, totally stressed out. Totally, this is, my God, it's this and it's that and blah, 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 blah. And it was before Christmas and no one's going to do anything before Christmas and then it's going to be January and no one's going to do anything in January and what I'm going to do and blah, and blah, blah, blah. But instead, it was a case of, okay, what is your position now? Where are you with this now? And where it was that I had 18 months of solid contract. I had created a nest egg. That's fine. Okay, what's that nest egg look like in terms of if you don't work, Keith, as a contractor for six months, does it matter? The answer was no. Okay, so what does that mean in terms of options? Okay, my options are I can either hit the contract market really hard or I can look back at the last 18 months, two years of contracting here and elsewhere with regards to trying to manage COVID for a region, and actually having taken no time off. What do you really want to do, Keith? Well, I actually really want to sleep. That's what I want to do. I don't want to do anything. I want to sleep. Okay, Keith, can you do that? Well, I can't. No, no, no. Can you do that, Keith? Yes, I can. Okay. So I didn't stress about it. I took January off. The whole of January didn't do anything except sleep, go to the gym, have a sauna, chill out. Absolutely nothing for January 2023. Mm. Then eased myself back into the marketplace from February onwards. Yes, there have been ups and downs in terms of had some interesting interviews, met some people then thinking, I don't want to work with you at all. Equally, I'm sure people have said, oh, God, I don't want to work with him, etc, etc. But it's okay. It's not the end of the world. Whereas three or four years ago, it would have been. They're getting rid of you because, yeah, not because it's the end of the contract. Well, no, it's not. It's the end of the contract. The local authority isn't doing well. They've got to take money out of this. They've got to put it elsewhere. You know, even though that's an illegal thing to do because it was government money, and they're trying to justify, Well, actually it is associated with this program, actually it's not, it has nothing to do with the program whatsoever but that's beside the point, I want to use it anyway, etc, etc, etc but for Keith, in terms of my position, my options my stand back in terms of take some time it's, well I can do this and do that, I don't have to worry about that, and um, if I manage my finances well, I could probably you know be okay for six or seven months without too much of an issue. Let's try and hit this for the first three or four and then start to worry if necessary. But don't do
0: it now. Keep that clarity in terms of where you are. Yeah. So rather than what would have happened before is reaching it to a negative space, and it's a process in emotion regulation research that's known as cognitive reappraisal, this ability to be able to kind of look at the situation kind of calm things down and start to examine it from a more objective point of view and see the reality of the situation and that has the impact on our emotions and then we're in a better place to kind of move forward and it what it sounds like you're saying and you haven't actually said it in so many words is again this almost the second time in your life and i'm sure a lot more you were using goalposts to actually reframe cognitively reappraise your situation and move forward in a positive way. Yes. And to simplify that, which you've just said, it is just my story
1: is I've done well for two years and give myself time. And it's okay to give myself the time rather than be a stress head and actually do more damage to myself and potentially to the relationships I'm trying to create on an interview basis because, you know, I'm being interviewed I mean, that does come through that stress head Keith Hackett comes through as an interview Mm. whereas Mr. Cool calm collected Keith Hackett as a consequence of saying, this is my story now, I've got a good idea of where I want my story to go and this is how much effort I'm going to put into it, is but as you said, I've got more control over that i'm more cognitively aware of that in a way that i just wasn't previously equally found myself having an improved level of resilience for those knockbacks because it's okay because i know those knockbacks are going to happen as part of my story it can't be perfect it's absolutely impossible for my future story to be perfect, it is going to be up and down and accepting that up and down is if you like being in greater control of that down and up than
0: not accepting it or just ignoring it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that there lies adaptability, that ability to be able to realize that we're the authors of our story and. Yes. Uh, going back to the whole thing about the narrative and the story. Okay, Keith, that's, this is brilliant and really powerful stuff as well. So can you just talk us through then the changes, particularly to the two S's that you were talking about? Okay, just a
1: review as it were. So it was just so it's goal, position, options, initially strategy, tasks, and survey in the middle. Mm. As a consequence of the co-production work with the staff and students at the Mental Health Recovery College, there was a any moment, if you wish, about 18, less than two years ago, where the bottom S became survey. So the S, uh, that one there, trying to do a weather person, I don't know how they do it, that one there, became a change from strategy to survey. And, oh, this is going to be funny, I'm not going to try. But the one in the middle became story, or stories, storytelling. So, the stories hold everything together past, present, future. Stories for gold, stories for positions, stories for options, stories for survey. And the survey element, just for folks, it's i trying to find a word that could say, instead of surveying, I've shortened it to survey. So, surveying one's environments, surveying the context within which you're operating. That's what survey stands for. It's that if you wish the, coin of phrase, the mindfulness element of what you're doing. Just being aware, just being understanding, and giving yourself the permission to stand back and say, take a breather. What am I doing? How am I doing it? Is my story evolving in the way that I want it to? Maybe it's not. What do I need to do? in order for that to happen, should I wish to keep that story going, or, given the options that I've already created for my stories, which way do I go now? And if my goal changes as a consequence of that, it's okay, because it's my story. I don't give a monkey's about anybody else. It's my story.
0: What the goal is, is my goal. That's it. Brilliant. I think the brilliance of that if I may say so, is... I let's
1: say it's not my brilliance. It's it's one of the students within the college who went, how oh, And she is a teacher who basically had massive burnout, was in psychiatric care, in a sort of closed environment, and has slowly built her life back. When she first saw this, she went, oh, God, that's brilliant. And I didn't understand at, the, at that time what she meant by it until we started doing the co-production and this came out. And she said, how about we do this because we're talking about stories and strategy thing did, And she was right. That's the strategy. It's okay if you're using this as a business model for a particular change within an organization. I mean, I've used it for that purpose. I mean, that the, that someone not, not so long ago um, said... I really like this. I'm struggling in terms of where my business is going. I, I, can I use it? So I worked with her on that basis with strategy and survey in the middle, as it were. And what came out of that was, interestingly, didn't recognize at the time was that it was about her story. Inasmuch that the reason she set up her business, she had lost focus on the reason why she set up her business. But then using goalposts, I'll put a refocus and say, actually, what I'm doing over here doesn't matter, and I'm getting distracted by this. Um, this is where my focus lies. So, in essence, it was her reframing her story, but neither of us recognised it in those terms. And it wasn't until a couple of a few years later, when I was working with one of the students from the college, a very, you know, very bright, very very intelligent woman, ex head teacher. And we started just talking about this. We are talking about stories. And we just played around with it. And we yes, let's go for it. Let's just put it there, change it around, see what happens. And it's so much better now. It's so much more powerful as a model now, as a consequence of making that change. And even when I was using it in terms of strategy and surveying, I always felt this is far too process. It's lacking emotion. Putting stories into it brings the emotion in. And it's the emotion that
0: actually drives it. Well, the reason that I think the survey part of this is so brilliant and so important, that what this does is it allows people, that, as you were saying, the way you were describing that was about standing back. Now, what that does is it disassociates you from the now situation. It allows you to kind of stand back and have a look at what's going on without you being in the story at that moment in time. You're telling the story as an observer. And that Mm. becomes really important because you start to see things a lot more objectively. And what, typically happens to people in, and it's not just things like depression and issues like that, but it's also business issues, it can be, w- w- doesn't matter what it is, relationship issues, is that we become the boundaries between us and the story that's unveiling itself at the moment gets so enmeshed that we can't, it's very difficult to see reality because We're reacting to the reality at the moment. And there's a whole process. So we were talking just before about counseling training and things. You know, years ago, I did a whole load of counseling training. In fact, I thought that's the direction I was going to be taking. But it didn't quite work like that. Life doesn't ended up in this direction. But what's interesting about that is that ability to be able to just stand back And start to look at what's going on in the environment from that perspective has a huge impact, both cognitively and emotionally in that moment. And some of the... So, as you know, I was a a police officer, so quite a lot of the counseling that we were doing was on other police officers with kind of a whole range of traumas and things, kinds of things that police officers have to deal with. And quite often, when we're reliving an experience we're still part of that narrative, we're still associated. And therefore, at the moment that we're, and it is a reliving, and this is one of the problems with things like PTSD and things like that, is that every time you go back through it, you're reliving all of the emotions, as you were saying, you're reliving all of the experiences of those moments. And it's hard, as you well know, it's very difficult to see out when you're in those emotional places. And it's like a funnel. But what the survey does, as I say, it's the disassociation. And you start to be able to see things more clearly and a little bit more objectively. And that's why I think that is so brilliant. And I also think that, the personal opinion, that the idea of the story is really powerful. Really powerful. So I think those changes are oh. immense, actually. They are. And it's... It was. It was just, as
1: I said, it was the pivotal moment. It was this light bulb moment of, my God, that's what this is about. That's what. It was a recognition that telling stories is so important. And I know many, many years ago, and it's still the case now, isn't it? That everyone talks about corporate stories and all the rest of it, and when we use the corporate story to help with the marketing and whatever. And to be honest with you, David, there were times I looked at that trend. Sometimes the sort of late 90s, early 2000s, wasn't it? Of business telling stories. I thought it was a bit, that sounds great, but isn't it? You know, there's a bit of marketing puff going on here, going on here blah, 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 all the rest of it. But when you drill it down to a personal story and then look at stories that are told as part of culture, i.e., those, those historical stories, that verbal experience that Indigenous tribes, used to inform the next generation of actually this is how we came about and this is why it's so important and storytelling and this is where you sit within this story now but you're now creating this story for us as a tribe as a whatever it might be they can be immensely powerful yeah and and informing in a way in terms of guiding for want want of a better word It's great that we tell stories. We tell stories to each other all the time. We read stories. We write stories. People make lovely livings out of writing and telling stories. Then why not embrace our own personal
0: stories in the same way? This is one of the things I say to my students quite a lot. The biggest industry on this earth is the storytelling industry, bar none. You know, you think about all the books, the films, uh, the television programs, even the news. The news does not present a series of bullet points about what's going on. They present a series of stories. They go to the extent of sending some poor hack out into the dark and rain in order to contextualize the story. It's part of the story. Now, one of the things, and this may or may not help with the model, and because it's a living thing and it's developing, which I like about it, is one of the things that we used to do with trauma victims with the police is that we used to get them to tell a story from different perspectives. And one of those perspectives was a benevolent other that was like an angel or something that was sat on top that could see everything. But it, again, it was that disassociation that was so important in that process. And then having a look at it from a different angle and a different angle, enable the person just to kind of remove themselves, particularly in stories of trauma, enough to start that process that we were talking about earlier on around cognitive reappraisal. And that's really powerful. And I think the model's very powerful as well. I want to kind of keep in touch as it develops. Yes. As you know, in coaching, there is a coaching activity that you can
1: use with a person who is stuck within a particular situation to say okay let's pretend that you're your best friend what would your best friend if they were looking at this now how would they describe what's happening where you're going with this etc and as soon as you say that to someone okay oh yeah well um Oh, yeah, David will be so pragmatic. He would say this, 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 and this. And it's, you know, Keith, why are you even focusing over there? You should be focusing over here. So you say, okay, that's great. So do you trust David? He's your best friend. You trust him? Well, yeah. Okay. So can you trust him now? Oh, yeah. And it's like you have been working with someone for quite some time. They're stuck and they're getting really buried in something. And it's just that stand back, different perspective, but a different perspective of someone that they know, that they trust, that they rely upon, whatever it might be.
0: Essentially, it's themselves. Hmm. But for them, it's not at that moment in time. Yeah, it's perspective taking that allows for the disassociation for a different perspective that allows for this idea of cognitive reappraisal. Keith, Hmm. this has been absolutely brilliant. And thank you so much for sharing your story. That's a brave thing to do, particularly on a podcast, but also sharing the model, because I think the models, you know, I think it's got so much to offer people and not, you know, in a range of different circumstances, both in terms of health, mental health, but also organizations and trying to solve problems as well. This is fantastic. Where can people contact you? if they want to know more about goalposts and what you're doing. Well, in terms of tool members, my details
1: are on my profile within the membership. Mm. Uh, So just look me up on there. If you want to and you're able to use QR, the QR code behind me, hopefully on the screen that you can see, does actually operate, does work. It will come up as an unverified site, but it's okay. It's just because it's a small microsite. But that will then provide a little bit of detail about what GoPost is, how it's been used already, and an info at email address, which comes directly through to me. So I can pick it up
0: from there as well. Brilliant. So yeah, Again, thank you so Amen. much. Thank you so much for sharing your story and the model. This has been brilliant. Thank you, Keith. Thanks, David. It's been a quick one. Thank you so much. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for listening to the Oxford Review podcast. For free research briefings, audio and video research briefings, research infographics and a whole lot more, visit oxford-review.com. That's oxford-review.com. And please, subscribe, rate and review this podcast. It would mean a lot to us to have your feedback so that we can make this podcast even better for you.